Hello and welcome back to VLGA Connect and our summer series Best Of collection continues with a memory from May when Catherine Arndt, the CEO of the VLGA, joined me for a conversation with Deborah Glass, the Victorian Ombudsman, to talk about her just released report into financial hardship policies in local government. Hello, everyone. Welcome to a special edition of VLGA Connect. I'm pleased to have with me Catherine Art, the CEO of the VLGA. Catherine, welcome. Good morning, Chris. How are you today? Very well, thank you. And we are delighted to have with us the Victorian Ombudsman, Deborah Glass, to talk about the recent report looking at financial hardship policies and how councils manage that responsibility. Deborah, hello. Thank you and welcome. Hello, good to be here. So you've released your report last week. Uh, Catherine and I will do a bit of a tag team on a couple of questions about the process that you used. Firstly, perhaps if you could tell us, why did you decide to do this review or this investigation at this particular time? Well, it's not a new topic for the Ombudsman. Uh, we always, it's a theme, a regular theme, complaints about financial hardship complaints about how councils deal with ratepayers in hardship. So it's something that, you know, that, that we, we have been getting you know, for as long as I've been in the job. But um, with the pandemic, onset of the pandemic last year, it, 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 um, it became, I think, more necessary to ask the question, you know, how are councils dealing with ratepayers in hardship? So I was keen to take a look to see how fair and reasonable people's practices were. Were there any particular complaints that you were receiving that that uh, led to partly your decision to do the review at this time? I think the fact that it, that, it, that it's been a, a it's been a steady stream. It's been on my radar for for a long time, uh, uh, for some years, right. and it's something that I've been thinking about investigating systemically, uh, actually for some years. So the, 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 the trigger was not so much a specific complaint because we, we get them regularly, but um, the consideration of the impact of the pandemic, you know, if, if this is an issue, if this has always been an issue, well, will it be more of an issue now? So it was, it seemed very timely to take a look at that. So Deborah, just, I guess, following that through and given that you had thought about um, this, this issue for a while. Can you tell us a little bit about the scope of this particular review? Well, very simply, all 79 local councils in, in Victoria. You know, let, let's look. One of the things that people always raise with us, and this will not surprise you, will not surprise, you know, any, any council listening to this, is what drives um, the public crazy sometimes, you know, financial councillors and others who deal with different councils, is everybody does it differently. So um, that, you know, that, that was... Uh, you know, really quite a strong sort of underlying um, area that, that, that people wanted us to look at. And that's really an interesting point you make there about, um, you know, every council does do it differently. It's, it's quite a complicated area when we think of, uh, of the rate system. Are there some systemic um, opportunities, I, I, I guess, when we look at that, that, you know, every council's doing things differently? How is that perceived by the ratepayer? Did any of that come through in, in, in your audit? It was particularly um, an issue for financial counsellors who deal with different councils. And, and, and some of them, they were saying to us, you know, some, of, you know, some people are absolutely uh, exemplary when dealing with people at hardship. You know, some councils are terrific, and they gave us some good examples. You know, but others are punitive, um, they use the word Dickensian, uh, and what so what came through for them is that a ratepayer in a similar uh, situation of financial hardship will be treated very differently 
by different councils. And, mm. and that doesn't make any sense. Deborah, one of your recommendations was requiring councils to have a hardship policy. That surprised me because I, I sort of thought, uh, I didn't realise that it wasn't a requirement, but um, did you find councils that didn't have them at all? Yes, there are some that have, don't have them at all. Uh, most councils do have a hardship policy. Some of them aren't very accessible. So in, in, in some cases you've got, it, it took quite a bit of digging you know, through people's websites to find the policies. So there were issues about accessibility. So most have a policy, not everybody can find them. But there were other examples we, we, we came across where, although the council had a policy, when we were asking about particular practices, what we were told was not in line with the policy on the website. So, you know, there, there, there were issues there as well. Deborah, with the introduction of, of the Local Government Act that came in um, last year, are you seeing any opportunities for, you know, some of these practices to be addressed as part of the implementation of that legislation? Well, I, I would hope there are opportunities there. I, I think, I mean, at the moment, it, it, it would still require some further reform, in my view, to really address these issues. So can you so, tell us a little bit about that? You know, what, what are some of those reforms that, that, that you would recommend or, or see necessary? Well, having a set of, of consistent standards, I think, is, is a really important area. A requirement to have a policy, a requirement that that... Um, the, it, some, some, some core standards around that policy. So one of the recommendations I've made is for, is for um, the Essential Services Commission to be involved with, um, with, with government, uh, with, um, you know, with the local government minister. The, the Essential Services Commission has considerable experience already in dealing with hardship and setting standards that regulates the energy and water sectors. And it, of course, it, it, it deals with local government as well. So bring them in to get the benefit of their experience dealing with this, to work on a set of, of core standards that, that, that councils should all be able to follow is uh, a key recommendation. I was going to ask Deborah, um, you know, if the, if the state did have a role to play in this, and I'm actually um, meeting with the Essential Services Commission this week, so I look forward to talking to her a little bit more about you know, how the different agencies can work together to support the sector to do this better. So, uh, Deborah, you also make some comment on the use of debt collection agencies. Can you tell us a bit about what you found there and what concerns you about the way they're used? Again, a lack of oversight. Um, some councils simply pass the buck to debt collection agencies. Uh, and for, for people in hardship, this is pretty scary stuff. Uh, the um, what I mean, fundamentally, if I can step back a moment, I think before we, we, we get to the to the situation where we're engaging with with, with debt collectors, I think one, one of the most disturbing findings of, of this investigation is that you've got banks and utility companies doing it better than local councils. Now, I think that should concern us. Mm. And so, you know, so, so one of the points there is you know, there, there is a lot of good practice out there. You know, this, this, is not a, a, um, this is not a new area. This is not something where we have to reinvent um, the wheel. You know, there, there, there is good practice within councils, within other sectors, about how to deal with people in hardship. And, and fundamentally, it's about helping people to pay their rates rather than punishing them for not being able to pay. Deborah, why do you think 
the local government sector is, well, from what you've observed, a little behind other agencies who do this. It's not as if the collection of, of rates has, has been a new thing for the sector. No. I, I'm perplexed as to, as to why no. we're lacking there. Well, I, I think quite possibly because, because the microscope hasn't been turned on them the way it has been on the banks and utility companies. I mean, you know, the, and other companies have really been forced to, to change their ways of doing things because they've been exposed as, as wholly unacceptable. But, I mean, let me just give you a few examples. So, you know, some of the things that people have said to us, um, the, in, in the energy and water sectors, for example, if you can't pay your rates, it's seen as a customer service issue as opposed to a finance issue. You know, this is, you know, how, how do you work with the customer to help them to pay? Uh, whereas in, in local councils, finance teams will, will issue the rates bill. If, if, if people can't pay, they'll, you know, that they will go through whatever motions the, the, the council has in its policy to, you know, to, to get that debt without seeing it as actually, is there a reason here why this person can't pay the bill and how do I work with them to, you know, to, you know, to enable them to, you know, to pay us? That's a, that's a very yeah, interesting observation. Did you receive any feedback from councils that suggested they were fine, you know, that the collection of, of outstanding debts was, was, I guess, really important in what is now a rate-capped environment? No doubt about that. And I absolutely accept that um, to to many councils, particularly you know smaller and rural councils that you know that, that don't have uh, you know the the the, um, the buffer of, 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 of other you know, forms of, of, of income, that rates are actually vital and, and rates income is vital and they are less flexible than uh, than other councils in, in in how they deal with that and I I absolutely accept it but this is this actually is about um, getting people to be able to pay their rates rather than, as I say, punishing them for not being able to pay. So it's working with the rate payer to get the revenue. But that's right. And I mean, even if the, if the cap was removed, it doesn't address the issue that there will still be residents who are unable to pay their, their rates and therefore, you know, require the support of council to work with them through hardship policies and other mechanisms to you know, support them to to do that in some way. Deborah, can we talk a bit about some of the recommendations you've made? Um, I asked before about debt collection agencies, but also you're talking about potentially capping the ability to charge high penalty interest, those sorts of things. How do you see those playing out? Well, well, let's let's look at the kind of scenario that we, that, that that we we saw time and time again in in, in this investigation. Uh, you you have somebody who can't, you know, is in hardship and can't pay. Their rates. One of the things, again, that that, that that um I think many people involved in this, you know, perhaps the finance officers in, in local councils don't appreciate, is that people in hardship tend not to ask for help. You know, they're, they're, they're embarrassed, they're ashamed, and they will leave great piles of unopened envelopes, you know, on, 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 on a side table somewhere, uh, because they, you know, they just don't know what to do with it. So, you know, the next thing they know, they've got um penalty interest loaded on, they've got legal fees loaded on, and they are further and further uh, in debt uh, with that. And, and it's, it, you, know, it, it, you know, to the point where for, for some people, you know, the, the, the interest and the legal fees may amount to more than the original rates debt. So I think understanding the psychology of, of, of how people react to hardship is also important. And it, it touches on the customer service point I, I was making before. Mm. But um, but yes, you know, to, so to, you know, to, broadly to go to go back to, to to your question, 
what um, what what I, I expect to see, and my recommendations are around, is not only having a set of, of um, core standards for for dealing with um, with with hardship, it's it's dealing with a full suite of options available in legislation. At the moment, too many councils simply see payment plans as, as the only thing they're prepared to offer, uh, and um, and those payment plans may not even be practical to the amount of, uh, uh, of money that people are able to put up to the payment plan. So again, they're doomed to fail if the payment plan doesn't accord with their, their, um, their income from a practical standpoint. So, you know, not, not using discretion is another key area. The discretion, which, which you'd expect to happen very rarely, but still it's a discretion uh, around waivers and deferrals. Some councils have a blanket policy of refusing them or not consider them at all. Mm. And again, that's not right. So what do you expect to happen with these recommendations? Are you expecting the state government to take a position on some of the things that you've recommended here? Absolutely. And I'll certainly be following up on those. I mean, the recommendation is for the Essential Service Commission to take a role. Now, you know, that's that's a matter for ministers. Uh, I would like to see that happen. But, um, but the, you know, the, 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 the real issue here is where is this, you know, we need a, a, a broadly enforceable set of standards so that at, at the least our local government sector uh, should be operating on a par with energy and water. Catherine, any final question? Look, I, I think that that last point that, that Deborah has made is, is really important. Um, the state government, of course, creates local government through a local government act. There's an opportunity to support the sector to, to be at the standard of other agencies when it comes to all of the way, you know, all, the way in which it conducts its business generally. And I guess um, from the VLGA's perspective, we look forward to working with the integrity agencies, the ombudsman, and also the state government to assist the sector to, you know, to, to be able to do their business in a way that, that meets contemporary best practice and, and, um, and look forward to, I guess, some of those discussions that you have with the Essential Services Commission and, and the state government. Deborah, before we get you low, uh, let you go, what's next on your list in terms of inquiries that might impact on the local government sector? Well, I'm sure the local government would like to be left alone for a while, <laughs> but, uh, but, but I, I, um, it will always be... Uh, and, it, you know, we'll always be looking at issues in local government because, you know, it, it is such a large percentage of our complaints. And, of course, it's the tier of government that engages most closely with, with the public. So, you know, it, it's inevitable. Um, but you know, what, what I would just flag, and I hope this will be helpful, uh, in fact, to, to local government, uh, we've been working um, for some time uh, and also in, in view of the, of the new legislation on an updated um, good complaints handling guide. And the purpose of that is to help the sector uh, do it better, uh, to, you know, to learn from mistakes. You know, we, you know, we're providing a lot of what I, I hope people will regard as really useful guidance. And look, that might be something that we can have yourself or one of your team back on a VLGA Connect program just to talk to that guide because it is those, those tools and, and that educative fun function of the integrity agencies that I think are, are really important too in, in driving change in the sector. And very much, you know, you know what, what that is about also, you know, it, it relates to what we are discussing here, that when I talk about inconsistency, that, 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 that is also to say that there is some really good practice out there. There is some really good practice in the local government sector. And, and, and part of what 
I do in my role as ombudsman is when I do these inquiries, it is to is to expose that good practice from you know you know this council or that council and say actually you should all be doing that. Did I just imagine a greyhound coming into shot and walking out again? <laughs> a whippet, actually. <laughs> a whippet. <laughs> a very large whippet from this angle, anyway. <laughs> Thank you, Deborah. It's, it's always great to, you're generous with your time. It's always great to talk about these reports that you bring out and uh, we look forward to talking more about the Complaint Handling Guide. But in the meantime, your report into financial hardship policies is, uh, is published online and we would recommend that everyone working in local government take the time to have a look at what you're recommending. We hope you enjoyed that look back on one of the highlights of the year 2021 on VLGA Connect. There's more to come from our summer series Best of Collection. I hope you can join us again soon. Thank you.